everyone. Welcome to the Blue Shoes Fitness Podcast, where we talk about strength training, nutrition, faith, family, and how all those things work together for parents like you and me. My name is Coach Jay, and today we're going to get real practical and tactical in talking about the easiest meal strategy for parents like us. Before we get into that, let's kick things off with the verse of the week, and we are going way back to David in the Old Testament here. We're reading out of Psalm 105. This is verses 1 through 4. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. I love this psalm. I had actually posted it back on Thanksgiving, but this is such a powerful reminder that we ought to be approaching the Lord with Thanksgiving every single day of the year because of everything that he's done and everything that he is. And I love these some of these adjectives that we ascribe to the Lord in this verse here of talking about his strength and his holy name, his wonderful acts, and the fact that he deserves all of our praise and that we just almost can't help but sing out praise to him, which is awesome. So I hope that that is encouraging for you today and that, that carries you through the rest of your week as well. All right, let's get into today's topic, the easiest meal strategy for parents. Let's kick things off by talking about why this is even necessary to talk about. Uh, You probably wouldn't be interested in something that is deemed as the easiest of something if the other alternatives were already easy. And when it comes to nutrition and just eating in general, as parents, this is something that takes on a whole slew of layers beyond just feeding yourself for the sake of making yourself full and happy. Um, A few obstacles that are common amongst parents like us. These are obstacles that are cited all the time by clients. In my kind of intake questionnaire that I have, I ask about some of these obstacles that that people face when it comes to their nutrition and their cooking and eating and things like that. And these are some of the big ones that they, they tend to mention. The first one, to nobody's surprise, is time. And a lot of the times this comes up in the way of somebody saying, I just don't have time to cook. And that's only part of it. Uh, That's only part of the problem that is kind of further compounded by everything that we're dealing with. It's not just the cooking that is part of it, but it's the planning. It's the planning of what you're going to eat for the week. Think about how much time that that takes up sometimes when you go, I just feel super uninspired to put together a menu for the week. Um, It's the shopping. It's going out and shopping for everything that you're going to be cooking and that's already after you've done all the planning. And then you get to the cooking part of it. And then the part that gets everybody is the cleaning, right? So when we talk about time related to your your meal strategy of however it is that you approach meal time at home, it's not just the time to cook. And sometimes people will go, oh, well, you just need to, to meal prep or you just need to uh, outsource that to a meal prep service or something like that. But that doesn't quite solve all of the, all of the issues. Um, there's still a lot of planning involved with that that takes up time. Uh, the next thing is uh, the, the concept of decision fatigue. And if you've never heard of this concept, it's this idea that over the course of the day, you make 
hundreds, if not thousands of decisions uh, in one capacity or another of one size or another. Sometimes they're very small and inconsequential, and sometimes they're very large decisions that are very important and you need to have a clear mind when making those. And with every decision that you make over the course of the day, that takes some level of energy and to a degree, it even takes some level of creativity. You're having to sort of pave the road forward, even if it's something that is not super important. Uh, something like maybe what you eat for breakfast uh, and what you wear for the day. Uh, these are things that you're probably not going to have like a fatal option of going, oh, that was the wrong choice. You're done kind of thing. Um, that's likely not the case. But even with those small decisions, those add up. And there, this concept of decision fatigue associates the compilation of all those decisions and adding up to requiring lots of energy over the course of your day. And so decision fatigue is a big obstacle for a lot of people where, especially think about early in the morning, and we'll talk about this in a moment. Think about early in the morning where you're maybe a little groggy and you're thinking, I don't really want to make tons of decisions right off the bat. Uh, I, I don't want to make these big, important decisions and you might not even want to make the small ones either. And so we'll talk about how we can get around that here in a second. Another thing for us parents is the idea of sharing family meals. This is no longer, and perhaps if you're a parent and you've been married for a while, this is it, this has been pretty far removed from you, but there was a time where you were probably only thinking about yourself and your own needs and preferences when it come when it came to meals. However, that is no longer the case and it's probably not been the case for a while. So perhaps you've gotten around this obstacle, but for a lot of people, this kind of ends up being something that that trails them uh, along with them from one meal to the next and even one year to the next of going, okay, this doesn't seem to be getting any easier to be able to put together meals that are that are healthy and filling and meeting up all of the preferences of everybody in the family. And that can be a little bit of a stressor for sure and a big obstacle for a lot of people. And then the, the fourth one that I wanted to mention here, which is something that a lot of times uh, cl uh, clients don't bring up on their own, but it does kind of come out through the more that we talk about their, their current meal strategy and their current nutrition, is the obstacle of getting enough protein. A lot of people struggle to get in enough protein. And that's not just getting enough protein for the sake of maintaining their current body composition and all of that. Uh, but a lot of times people will come in with goals that require, or at least that would be benefited by having a higher protein intake than what they're currently taking, whether it's building muscle mass and strength, whether it's losing body weight or body fat. Um, eating enough protein can be a difficult thing if that's not something that is natural for you. For some people, protein is one of their go-tos that if they are hungry or if they just want a snack, that they might reach for something that is naturally going to be higher in protein. But for a lot of us, that's not quite the case. And so getting in enough protein can be an obstacle that is just kind of further compounding all of these other things that we've talked about, where if you're trying to do everything with the in the most efficient way possible that doesn't require as much time, that doesn't require as much decision-making power, doesn't require you to have to divide and conquer when it comes to your family meals, much less if you're trying to hit any sort of specific calorie or macro goal with protein, then you have a lot of potential obstacles on your hand. So what does this easiest meal strategy for parents look like? The idea is we want to address each of these obstacles that we've just talked about in a way that doesn't cause additional stress by trying to implement this strategy. And so one of the big 
keys to this is the fact that this is not a prescription meal plan or you can't eat this or you have to eat this. This is just a template. This is a template that I've seen work in my life for many, many years. And I've shared it with many of my clients and they've found that this has really alleviated a lot of those obstacles as well. And so you can listen to these couple steps that we've talked that I'm going to talk about here and you can run that through the filter of what that looks like in your everyday life and if some of these things might be applicable and if they might be helpful. This is not a law of the land sort of uh, proprietary system here. This is just a strategy that I've found that works. And the only proprietary part is that there's some alliteration going on here. So we have four pieces of this strategy and they all start with S. So the four pieces of this easiest strategy are same, similar, shared, and stored. So let's walk through those. Same. As you may have guessed by what we've talked about so far, a really easy way to simplify your meal strategy is to have the same breakfast every single day. Breakfast is a pretty easy meal to apply the same principle to for a few different reasons. One of them being that it's the first thing in the morning for a lot of people, and this is a great way to reduce the decision fatigue aspect right from the get-go. If you know that every single day you're going to have the exact same breakfast, you have effectively eliminated one you know, somewhat big decision from your day. If you have three or four or five meals in a day and you have the exact same breakfast every day, boom, you've eliminated, you know, upwards of what, you know, 20, 30% of your decision-making power around your meals. So having the same breakfast every day can be a really great way to, to reduce that decision fatigue. Another thing is that breakfast tends to be, out of all the meals, tends to be kind of a solo meal for a lot of people and for a lot of families. And in my head, gone are the days, and maybe your family does this and I admire it if you do, but gone are the days where on a day-to-day basis, on a regular basis, where you're you know preparing a full course, uh, you have bacon, eggs, pancakes, waffles, French toast, orange juice, milk, you got the whole everything all at once and the whole family's sitting together at the table and this this makes me think of like the you know dad reading the newspaper and drinking the orange juice and milk sort of deal um i don't see this very often in my clients lives and i have not experienced that either in mine and so breakfast might be a great opportunity that if you're eating solo if you're preparing just a single portion for yourself that this can be a great way to take ownership over your your first meal of the day to be able to help meet some of those, um, the needs from the obstacles above and something like protein as well. This might be a great opportunity to be able to eat the same high protein breakfast every day so that you know that you have a kickstart on reaching your protein goal. The next step of this is similar and kind of moving throughout the day chronologically here, having a similar lunch every day can be a really easy way to be able to, again, simplify this whole meal strategy for you as a parent. Um, Again, thinking about the shareability side of it, that lunches tend to be another meal where you might not be sharing with other people, especially if you're going to work. Um, You might not be having to prepare some huge you know, three or four portions for you and your family. This might be another great way to be able to incorporate some consistency in your diet. But I like the idea of doing something similar because this is where we can kind of venture a little bit into the variety side as well. Uh, Variety is in some ways the enemy of simplicity and in some ways the enemy of ease. When you are constantly trying to switch things up, that can really make things a little bit challenging in 
prepping and cooking, cleaning, all of the things that take up time where you're just having to kind of spread yourself out so much. And again, on that decision-making power as well, you might be kind of draining yourself a little bit by trying to think, constantly think of something new to eat. Uh, Lunch is a great opportunity to have something that's similar from one deal to the next, one day to the next, Uh, but maybe you don't have to do the same thing. You can, Um, but I love doing similar meals for lunch. And I'll talk about this here in a moment, but for me, I tend to have a protein source, a carbohydrate source, and a vegetable. And all three of those pieces will rotate in and out depending on um, what's good at the grocery store and what I'm feeling preference-wise too. So that's a great uh, opportunity to be able to have similar meals throughout the, uh, throughout the week is through your lunch. Thirdly, shared. This is talking about dinner. And this is a great opportunity to think about how whether you're sitting down at the table as a whole family all at once or not, a lot of the times families will have shared family meals, even if, like I said, even if you're not sitting down at the table all together, you might be having something that you've prepared, you know, three or four or five portions of, and your family can kind of pick out as, as their schedule allows. And in that case, that's a great opportunity to focus on the, to kind of further go down that variety continuum and think about how your family dinner might be a great opportunity to be able to explore some new foods for yourself or for your kids. This might be an opportunity to be able to work on your micronutrient game too, especially if your breakfast and lunch is uh, somewhat, in like in my case, it's somewhat boring and not very micronutrient heavy. Um, this might be a great place to focus on some of that as well. Uh, for a lot of people, dinner tends to be their calorically largest meal. And so this could be a great time to be able to get in some extra protein as well. And so having a shared focus on your dinner side of things, whether it's just you or your whole family, um, this is a great way to be able to include some variety that might help you stick with the same and similar meals that you've had earlier in the day because you don't feel like you're being so restrictive uh, from one day to the next. And then fourthly, we have stored, and this is talking about snacks and having go-to snacks on hand. If you have a, even if it's a rotation of a handful of different snacks, if you have various snacks that are kind of in your rotation on a regular basis that go through your house, this can be a great way to be able to stick with your goals no matter what they are in order to keep you full, in order to boost your protein over the course of the day, um, in order to get micronutrients or fiber or whatever whatever the purpose of your snacks are at your house, even if it's just to have something that's tasty throughout the day in between meals. Having go-to snacks rather than just a constant carousel of a bazillion different snack items or maybe dessert items or things like that, um, this can be a great way to be able to have a general idea of what's going into your body from a macro and micronutrient point of view and calorie point of view. Um, If you are for whatever goal that you looks what that looks like for you if you are trying to keep some sort of mental tab on your calories in your protein in your carbohydrates in your fat intake all of those kinds of things can be simplified by having just a handful of different snacks that that you have on hand and so having those on hand can make things a lot easier rather than being in a panic and going oh my gosh I'm hungry right now I need to scarf down whatever I can find um, but if you have some kind of a rotating uh, set of snacks that you have on hand at your house. I think about getting snack foods from Costco in bulk where you get like a 50 pack of single servings of goldfish or fruit snacks or applesauce or whatever it is. Um, That's a lot of what we go through at our house. So with this strategy, the idea of same, similar, shared, and stored, having a same breakfast, a similar lunch, a shared dinner, and then having some go-to stored snacks on hand. 
we need to talk about the bigger picture here. This is not just about blindly following this. And again, this is a template that I want you to pick apart and and choose the pieces that fit with your life that would make your life and your nutrition and meals easier. Um, let's look at the 10,000 foot view of the principles behind the strategy here. Uh, so talking about eating same and similar meals. One of the big benefits of that is that they are going to be easier to troubleshoot. So this is something that you can do preventatively or after the fact if you run into it. But if you have a goal, let's say that's related to body composition, where you are either trying to lose body fat or build muscle or trying to do both, and you are doing something that is requiring you to be intentional about your calorie intake, for example, whether you're trying to be in a deficit or a surplus or at maintenance, having similar meals from either one meal to the next or one day to the next, or even having the same meals from one day to the next, that makes things a lot easier to troubleshoot because you don't have so many moving parts and so many different variables to take into account. You know, think about over the course if, of a week, if you had seven different breakfasts and seven different lunches and seven different dinners, that's going to be, you know, 21 different meals that you're going to have to mentally keep track of. And whether you're tracking it via an app or if you're just trying to keep mental tabs on it, that can be a lot of moving pieces. Whereas if you have the same exact breakfast, boom, you now have eliminated six alternatives over the course of that week. You have one breakfast. If you have similar lunches, you may have some of the same, uh, or even if they're just similar, you kind of get an idea of what the protein intake might look like, what the calorie intake might look like, even if it's a range. So you have fewer moving pieces in that regard. Your dinners as a shared you know, family experience, that might be something where you do put in that extra effort to be able to keep tabs on all of that. And then if you have the go-to snacks on hand, those might be the same or similar from one day to the next as well. So having all of those pieces uh, not being you know, moving and flying out in different directions, that can make things easier to troubleshoot to where if you decide that you are not making the sort of progress toward your goals that you had expected or anticipated, then you can take a look at what it is that you're eating and more easily diagnose what might be going wrong or what you might be able to better optimize. The same thing goes with the general kind of principle behind a lot of this here is having simple meals, and that goes along with the, the troubleshooting side of things. Simplifying your meals as far as having fewer ingredients in your meals and having fewer different meals from one day to the next or one week to the next, those are going to be, again, easier to track, easier to plan, easier to shop for, easier to cook, easier to clean up after. You just have fewer things that you have to then make decisions about or spend time on. And that can be a great way to not only simplify your actual meals themselves, but to simplify the mental component of this as well. And that is something that I am a huge proponent of. And if you've seen any of my stories around my lunches that I post, um, I always talk about how boring they are. And I try to spin that in a really positive light because I love my boring lunches because they are easier to easy to track, easy to plan, easy to shop for, easy to cook, easy to clean up after. And so that is something that uh, can be a really big benefit. If you get nothing else from this episode, think about simplifying your meals and how much that might take a load off of you mentally and, um, you know, energetically or creativity wise, um, that might be a good, a good takeaway for you here. Um, along with all of this, there's a degree of built-in flexibility by having a template that you're following as opposed to a, a strict law of the land, do's and don'ts, can and cannots. Um, having a, a degree of flexibility in your diet can really help with some of the either anticipated and regular occurrences that might 
take you off of what you would how you'd normally be eating something like the weekend for example you know that every saturday and sunday or whatever your weekend looks like you know that it's coming up every single week and it should not surprise us that oh my gosh it's saturday and oh it's sunday like we know that that's coming up in the in the schedule and for a lot of people something like friday night all the way through sunday night can be a really difficult time to be able to stick with their goals nutrition wise and so if you have a template that you're going off of during the week you can continue that into the weekend you can intentionally uh go off of that template over the weekend. But as long as you know what you're doing and you you aren't so surprised by it, um, you can build that into your schedule, no problem. You can build that into your goals and that might be a great way to be able to go around that. Um, even something that is you know less constant, less regular, something like a, a social eating um, occasion or going on a family vacation over the summer. Um, these are all areas where you can, again, make a conscious decision to either stick with your template or to go off track of the template, but build that into your plan so that you're not actually going off track track of the plan itself. And that flexibility is really, really a huge asset because you might get really frustrated if you constantly are being surprised in one way or another about, oh my gosh, it's the weekend again. Oh, I got a family vacation that I need to figure out how I'm going to eat according to my goals and all of that. So having that flexibility can be a really great middle ground between complete rigidity and inflexibility. And the opposite end of that spectrum being just zero structure, zero plan, and zero accountability. And along with that last point there, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention on the principal side of this here is that you never have to be caught off guard. And I think a lot about um, the weekends as well, where if you are in a situation where you aren't in your normal environment uh, for your for your meals, let's say that you're going out to lunch with some friends or with somebody at work, or you know a friend at school or whatever that looks like. That if you're going out for lunch where you'd normally be eating at home or bringing your lunch with you, you don't have to panic. You don't have to feel like you're so caught off guard. You can still stick with your your template side of things. Of let's say it's lunch for example, and you're like, okay, I have a general idea of the similar types of lunches that I eat. If I'm going out to eat at a restaurant or going over to a friend or colleague's house, uh, you might be able to kind of keep that similarity of pick a protein source, pick a carbohydrate source. If they have a vegetable on hand, pick a vegetable. Um, you don't have to be caught off guard and just go totally off the deep end in uh, either mentally or physically from eating, you know, uh, more or, or, or different than you normally would. Um, so that can be a, a big way to kind of ease some of that mental stress as well too. Let me wrap some of this up here with talking about the uh, an example that might be helpful for you. And I'll use myself as an example here. And part of that is because I know my diet more so than I know anyone else's. Um, even though I have pretty close tabs on what my clients eat, uh, I, I know my, my food intake uh, the best. And this is also a great opportunity to be able to to present this not as a what I eat in a day, you need to eat the same thing sort of scenario. Although I really do kind of enjoy a lot of those videos and posts of it just from a curiosity standpoint and a um, a a creativity standpoint of getting inspired of what other people are eating and going, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Maybe I could do that too. Um, this is not something where you need to copy this, nor would I even recommend that you should attempt to copy what I eat because my goals are likely different than yours. My situation is likely different than yours. But as parents, we can all come together and use a similar template that might be helpful. So uh, here's, here's how I tend to eat. The same breakfast. I would say that maybe 350 or so days a year, this is the exact same breakfast that I eat every single day. 
I have a protein shake with the same ingredients and the same quantities of those ingredients every single day. I usually have some string cheese. We go through a lot of string cheese in our house. Um, and a spoonful of peanut butter. And that's my that's my breakfast. I get lots of protein. I get some fat that's going to help keep me full and going to be satiating. And even just from like a mouthfeel point of view of it's just delicious having some fat in the string cheese and peanut butter. And uh, yeah, that keeps me going for the first few hours of the day. It usually nets me around 60 or so grams of protein. So it's a really great way to be able to get a head start on that for the day. And, uh, and it's easy. It's uh, virtually on autopilot. I can make my shake. I could probably make my shake eyes closed, although that might be a little dangerous, but I could probably do that because it's just what I do every day. And that is, to me, that ease is of way more value than many other variables when it comes to eating, and especially first thing in the morning. Lunch-wise, this is where I have a similar lunch each day. And this is kind of what I shared earlier in, in the episode too, but I usually have a protein source, a carbohydrate source, and then a vegetable. And those are usually all prepped in bulk ahead of time. You certainly don't have to do that, but for me, I've found a system that works. And that system is, again, very non-proprietary. It's a Instant Pot full of a few pounds of chicken, and it literally takes less than two minutes to be able to throw everything in there, dump a little water in, throw some spices or a sauce or marinade or something like that, hit a button, and then you know, 15, 20 minutes later, I have a week's worth of protein ready. Uh, carbohydrate, I like, like to do rice a lot of the times, and so I'll set up my rice cooker. Again, pour in some rice, pour in some water, hit a button, and we're good to go for the entire week with maybe 60 seconds of total work. And then a vegetable too. And a lot of times I'll do a steamer bag of vegetables, throw that in the microwave for a few minutes, and then I have vegetables for a day or two and call it good. So real easy, real simple, and it's similar from one day to the next. From a going chronologically here, I usually have a snack in between lunch and dinner, and that is kind of on a rotation of uh, we'll have apples on hand, protein bars, uh, frozen berry mix from Costco. It is awesome, and it lasts way longer than fresh berries, and uh, the frozen aspect of it is just a really fun treat for sure. And then a peanut butter sandwich. So those are some of the, what is that, one, two, three, four different things that we'll typically have on snack, uh, on snack. Um on hand as snacks. And uh, and I kind of have a general idea of, okay, I know what's in an apple in terms of the calories, in terms of the carbohydrates. I know I get the same protein bars every time. And so I have a general idea of what that looks like. Same thing with the berries. I have the same size serving of those. So even if I don't keep physical track of, I know, you know, I don't know exactly how many calories are in each serving. I know that I have the same serving each time. My peanut butter sandwich is the exact same every single time. And so again, from the troubleshooting side of it, that can make it really easy to go, oh, okay, if I want to cut out 300 calories uh, for my goals, then I'll just skip the peanut butter sandwich that day. Um, if I want to add in 300 calories, I'll have another peanut butter sandwich. That sort of mentality makes it really easy to be able to diagnose and move forward on uh, toward my goals. And then from the dinner side of things, this is where we share a meal. And like every family or like most families, we have some classic staples that we rotate through. And if if you've been over for dinner at our house, you've likely had Amanda's infamous white chicken chili. We go through a lot of that and it's the bomb. It's the best. And we're kind of known for that. And it's kind of a, a running joke in our family. Uh, something like pasta with meat sauce, nothing fancy, but it's delicious and filling. Um, we'll do a sheet pan meal where we have potatoes and onions and bell peppers and usually some kind of kielbasa. We go through, uh, we've been having fun experimenting with uh, 
frozen meals from Costco. And so their orange chicken that they have in their frozen aisle is the bomb. We'll throw that over some rice and it's fast and easy and cleanup is super fast and easy as well. We'll do a usually like a weekly taco night. Uh, we'll do homemade pizza every once in a while, which takes into account the whole family. We'll get the girls uh, making pizza with us and inevitably it ends up in a big mess of throwing cheese everywhere. And it's just a ton of fun. It's a good time. And we love getting them involved with that as well. So uh, those are some of the ways that we will share dinners. But again, they're kind of similar, maybe not one meal to the next, but the fact that we have you know six or seven or eight different dinners that we tend to put on rotation for the most part, uh, we kind of have an idea of what we're, what we're intaking and what we're getting in from that. So that is the, the wrap up of this here of the easiest meal strategy for parents. And I hope that you were able to pull something from this episode that you go, oh, okay, this is really helpful. And maybe it was a big aha moment of, oh, I had no idea about that. Or maybe it was just something simple that uh, was a little bit of a shift in a mentality for you. So if you learned something from this or felt inspired by something that you heard in today's episode, I would love for you to share that with me. And however you want to get in touch with me, whether that's over Instagram or Pinterest or email or leave a comment on the YouTube video or whatever it looks like, um, I'd love to hear your feedback on this and what resonated with you most. As a real quick personal update here, uh, one of the things that I'll maybe talk a little bit more about later on, but the big exciting thing that we're gearing up for in our lives as a family is that in about three weeks time over the course of New Year's, we, Amanda and I, are going to be going to Israel with our church group. And I am so excited. And I finally feel like we're close enough to get excited about it now. So that's what's going on in our life. And we are just super pumped and jazzed about that. All right. So outside of that, this is where I'm going to ask you for some feedback on today's episode and to ask for future podcast topic ideas. And I feel comfortable now that we're a few episodes deep into this. If you've been enjoying this new season of the podcast of the Blue Shoes Fitness Podcast, would you leave a review for us? Would you leave a review and let me know what you think about the about maybe a specific episode or the podcast as a whole and how you've been impacted as a parent from listening to this? All right, that's it for today's episode. I'm Coach Jay. Thanks for hanging out with me and we'll see you next time.